0: Hello, and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Haggisad, and with me, as always, is my good friend, Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben. Greetings. Now, Ben and I are a pair of automotive journalists. We have some cars to talk to you about today. You can find my work at autoguide.com, and you can find Ben's work all over the internet. Ben, what is the latest place that published your articles? Tell me about it.
1: I had a Thunderbird buying guide go up at Haggerty. Uh, this week. And the Honda issue of Super Street is on newsstands right now. And you can find some stuff in there for me. Also, I'm really sick today. And uh, I'm counting on Sammy's high energy personality to carry us through this podcast. So everybody clap your hands and give him wings to to be able to, to do that for us. I'll take it as far as I can go. Uh, Ben and I have tested some new cards this week. Ben, I'm going to start with you because,
0: well, you seem like you're going to probably pass out by the end of the podcast. Start
1: with me. That seems like a great idea. Well, what? Do you want to have a nap now and then come back at the end of the podcast
0: where you're feeling better? Or do you want to get it out of the way now and then go take a nap later?
1: Right now I'm existing in a space between consciousness and unconsciousness, Sammy. So I don't know if I could take a nap or if I did where it would take me.
0: Some say the best car takes happen between consciousness.
1: So what are you driving? I was driving the 2019 BMW 330i X drive. Okay, there's a lot to take
0: in here. This is a brand new generation of BMW 3 Series. Yes. They've given it the 330 name because it has a four-cylinder now, right? Yeah, of course. That makes total sense. (laughs) (laughs) And it's all-wheel drive. Okay, let's talk about this because you've been driving a lot of BMWs lately.
1: Well, I don't know if I'd say that. I've driven okay. you've driven some. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, last week you said the BMW 8 series is one of the most desirable products that BMW makes. And now you're driving a 3 series and we need to know whether or not the entry level vehicle from the entry level sedan from the from the brand can 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 also have that kind of appeal. Oh, well, he-
1: heavens no. It's not it's not even close to That's a re- you were just really foisted a lot of responsibility on the on the shoulders of the 3 Series, Sammy.
0: Is that not fair? I think the 3 Series well, is always is it, been... is
1: it not fair to make the one of the most affordable cars just as good as the least affordable car in the lineup? It's, I don't get it. But That's... the 3 Series was this
0: entry-level sport sedan that distilled the really enjoyable nature of BMWs and all they know about driving cars fun and fast into you know, uh,
1: an approachable package. Yeah, until it didn't, which was the previous generation car that we've, and not just us, but I, I would say the motoring press in general and a lot of disgruntled owners discovered was perhaps more average than it really should have been. The the Was the F30 generation, is that the previous model? Oh, we're talking chassis codes now. I don't have my
0: I don't have my reference guide for the chassis codes. Okay, so well,
1: all use. you need to know is F thirty bad, G20 good, G20 G twenty good, because the G twenty is the new one. But on all seriousness, the previous version of the three series was not outstanding, and it was perfectly fine, uh, adequate. At, yeah, adequate as a luxury sedan. But there was nothing about the car, really, that when you were behind the wheel made you excited to be driving. It It had the the six-cylinder turbo engine was very quick, and it was comfortable to drive. It was pretty good, too. It was fine. Uh, But it wasn't, you know, you wouldn't get out of the car and be like, you know what? I I wish I'd taken the long way home. It just wasn't that kind of car. And BMW got the message with the G20. Are you taking notes, Sammy? This is the G20.
0: Yeah, G20, new one.
1: Yeah, and uh, they were like, okay. We don't want to make the same mistake twice. We realize that, you know, previous three series, not super well received. What can we do to fix it?
0: Well, then they decided to make a design that looks so derivative and like everything else in the industry. It's an ugly car.
1: What? You think it's, it's ugly? An ugly? It's not pretty. I don't think it's ugly. I think, I it, think it's so derivative. Look the at these mo- headlights. Look at these taillights. Yeah, how dare it have headlights and taillights. You're right. Ugh. I'm furious. <laughs> There's no signature... Like BMW flair
0: or anything, it isn't even like that boring conservative BMW design. There's just no design
1: happening in this car. What if it had a bigger grill? Would that make you happy? At least it would have something. Well, you know what? I disagree with you. I had The tester oh, I had was in black you would. with an M package, and I thought it looked pretty decent. Um, there's, oh, a the there's a couple other things. You like other... those blue brakes. That's what you're talking about? Sure, but what <laughs> more to the point? Uh, there's there's a few things that uh, I think BMW might have gotten a bit wrong in approaching this car, uh, and and they're not necessarily about the car in particular, but more about its market position. The first of those is you can't get a manual transmission with the G twenty three series anymore. Okay, you don't think that that doesn't bother you at all? I a mean, car- you
0: can't get that in almost every vehicle in yes, its class.
1: but we're not talking about that. We're talking about the fact that BMW used to make an engaging driver-oriented sports sedan and now produces an automatic-only vehicle. That, I think, sends a mixed message where they're like, oh, we want to improve how this car drives, but you're not going to get a manual. Also not in the cards, no more wagons. Not for the United States. And um, every time I see a great-looking F30 BMW 3 Series wagon, I, I cry a little bit inside because I know that that's just not going to happen anymore. So those are two things about the redesign that kind of rubbed me the wrong way.
0: I think you're pandering to our enthusiast fan base who's in love with manuals and wagons and okay. not the, not the mainstream audience of people who buy these things. Let me ask the take you. rate of the manual
1: and wagon is not so high. So, of course, BMW would cut it. Let me ask you a question. How many cars do you own? Two. How many of those? How many of those cars? How many of those? How many of those cars have a manual transmission? Two. So it would be safe to say that 100 percent of your cars have a manual transmission. Yes, but okay. I. Moving yes. on. And one of them is wagon-like. <laughs> <laughs> All <No>. right, continue. <laughs> Point made. So I'm just saying I like the automatic in the BMW, the 8 Series, the CF Sorry, 8 Series, the 8-speed ZF transmission is great. It's good. It's very good. Uh, but I would like the option of a manual, because if I was going to buy one, I would have a manual. All my cars have manuals, too. The only vehicle I have that doesn't have a manual is a truck. And that's because they never made it with a manual. So I'm kind of on the outside looking in there. Okay,
0: so that's, it's like that truck. The BMW wasn't yeah, made with it's the, exactly,
1: Ma- the This BMW is exactly like my 35-year-old <laughs> AMC-derived Jeep. Perfect. That's a positive. So, um, we've talked about what the car isn't. Now, Sammy, you've driven this car. I have. What do you think about how it drives? I think it drives very
0: good for an automatic-only sports sedan. So, better than the F30? Which one's the F30 again? Oh, my goodness. I thought you were taking notes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think it's better than the last-generation vehicle. Uh, I think the steering in particular is where BMW has made the most improvement. This car feels far more responsive in terms of its, uh, its handling and steering responsiveness. So I'm happy with that. And I also think that the platform is, is very similar to what's being used in the uh, – maybe I'm going to say something stupid, but I think that the platform is similar to what's being used in the Z4 in some way or another. Z, the Z4? Yeah, Z4, Z4. You caught me on the stupid part with the, <laughs> the Z and the Z part. So, Not um, the fact that the sports sedan is related to a convertible Toyota.
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, Wow. I, ah. I, I hadn't even thought about it that way. You know, my, my car was an M Sport, so it, it had variable steering, variable sports steering. And what did um, you think of it? You know, I, I thought it was an improvement steering-wise on the car. I, I thought the car drove perfectly fine. Um, I wasn't necessarily enthralled with it. Okay, but, like,
0: is that perfectly fine for an entry-level sports sedan or perfectly fine for, like, any
1: car? Yeah, perfectly fine for an entry-level sports sedan. I, and Okay. I, I, I don't know if sports stand is really the term I would use because it's quick, reasonably quick. You have 255 horsepower with the 2-liter turbo, uh, which is fine. I'm sure it's more than that, but uh, that's what they're advertising. And it's, uh, it's quite comfortable to drive on longer trips. I, I thought it felt very solid. Uh, in, in that respect, it does feel upmarket. Mm-hmm. Um it does 60 in 5.2 seconds, and that, that's really quick. I mean that's very fast for a four cylinder. <laughs> anything around five seconds is gonna be really fast. Uh, in sport right. mode, I didn't really enjoy driving it in sport mode. It didn't it made some gruffer sounds from the exhaust and the shifting mm-hmm. was more aggressive and the throttle was more sensitive. It didn't really I didn't you know what most of the time I kept it in like adaptive mode or, oh, or, yeah. com- or okay. comfort mode. Like I, I didn't really put it in sport mode, unlike the eight series, which I was in sport mode almost all of the time. But but that's because that's a twin-turbo V8, and it
0: sounds great, and you want to hear it in that high, you know, bur- burbling and, and, you know, making all of its noises. A four-cylinder doesn't always sound – oh, it doesn't always sound that good, right?
1: It, it, yeah, and it also comes – you know, going – I know you hate the exterior, but, but what do you think of the interior? Okay, the interior is, is kind of clever in a way that they've taken the design
0: from BMW's more premium vehicles, like the 5 Series and even the 8 Series, and, say – there's even a bit of like X5 in there, and they've made it approachable in a more affordable vehicle. But you can see where they, where they, where they, cut the price. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, things I are a little I, bit more affordable.
1: I totally agree with you. I, I think that this is exactly the strategy that they've done, especially, you know, you mentioned the eight series and I was poo-pooing you earlier, but um, design wise, the, what you're looking at on the dashboard and the center stack is very similar to what I was looking at the week before in the eight series. True. That's uh, a great
0: way to put it. Like all of those panels, all those screens and all, and many of those, that layout, is identical. It's almost identical.
1: Yeah, you get the the double screen setup where you have the iDrive, the primary iDrive on the dash, on the... Sorry, just perched on the dashboard at the center of the car. And then you have that uh, configurable screen just in front of you where the gauge cluster is. For me, the gauge cluster looked a little empty because... Um, the way it's set up now is there's kind of an empty space between you have the tack on the right and the speed on the left for the most part. And then in the middle, there's room for other information, but it Mm. kind of defaults to a navigation view in that, in that sense. And you live out in the middle of nowhere. So it was just Uh, blank. (laughs) Well, it was just mostly (laughs) blank or I would make it blank (laughs) or I would put something. It it doesn't seem to fill the space as much as it could. It's fine to look at, but it's not like some, some of these displays they're, they're attractive. I mean, I think that Audi does a more interesting job with the uh, what's I can't remember the name. Virtual of it cockpit. His, yeah, virtual cockpit. Oh, it's so good. And and I think BMW the functionality is there, and I think that the everything you need is in that is in that display. But for wow factor, I don't think it matches virtual cockpit. Okay, um, but the interior falls apart in in,
0: in the way that it, I guess we're expecting it to. The the buttons, the switch gear, uh, both look and feel much less luxurious. I,
1: I, I don't know if I would, I think falls
0: apart is a little harsh. Um, I mean, maybe what I'm saying in real, when you were making that comparison to, like, the big dog BMWs.
1: Yes, for for sure when you touch stuff in the 3 Series, it does not feel the same as when you touch it in an X5 or an 8 Series. It's But that's to be expected. It's, like, half the price. Yeah. It's, it, you notice it, I notice it the most on the center console where they have a kind of – it's like a pad that's divided into different buttons. And it's, like, a single piece, but where you push on the pad is where you choose drive modes and start-stop. On and off and all yeah, those, by the all gear those things. Yeah, so uh, it feels noticeably plasticky on the three series. When you're in the eight series, it's 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 an improvement, and the trim around the center console and the center stack is much nicer in the more expensive cars here. The the vehicle I had had kind of this metal look type of like um, not, not like a chain link, but almost like a mesh kind of metal uh, and that was the primary accent on the on the car. And it's fine but don't touch it, you know? Like it, it kind of really d- dispels the illusion once you've made contact with it.
0: But, you know, back to back to what makes this car a 3 series is the driving manner, is the is the way that it feels on the road. And if it's too stiff, that doesn't feel like a premium car. But if it's too soft, then it doesn't feel like a BMW. So has BMW balanced you know these these aspects to make you know what they clarify is the, or what they they bill or advertise or market as the ultimate driving machine
1: I don't think it's the ultimate anything I think that <laughs> no I mean I'm not saying that in a flippant way I right. I think that it's it's a <laughs> solid mean, car Yeah it's a solid car It's not something I don't know if it's any better or worse than a C-Class or an an A-Class or an A-series whatever you want to call it uh the 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 uh the Audi uh A4 It's okay. It's, and, and, you know, uh, this week I'm, uh, after I traded in the 3 Series, I'm driving a Genesis G70, and we're okay. going to talk about that next week, but it's, it's just been an interesting contrast to try and see, you know, like, I don't even know if Genesis is chasing BMW anymore in terms of driving dynamics. I think they might've gone beyond what BMW has to offer. So it, it's, it's, it's like, is this really, can we really continue to say that 3 Series is intended to lead the segment dynamically, I don't think that's true anymore. And that's fine, because ultimately what matters to BMW is selling these cars, and if selling these cars means a more balanced type of vehicle, Mm -hmm. I can understand that. Well,
0: I I will admit, what I remember uh, remember from driving this vehicle is that it was extremely quiet, uh, surprisingly quiet. Very quiet. I completely agree. And I also remember there being a bit of a gimmick, because BMW... BMW loves to put gimmicks in its cars, whether it's, like, those gesture controls or whatever. But now you can yell, hey, BMW at it, and it'll do stuff for you.
1: Yeah, that happened to me accidentally while I was having a conversation with someone in the car. I, I yelled out some series of phrases that triggered something on the screen. All of a sudden, I was in all these menus, and it was really embarrassing because I didn't know how to stop it.
0: <laughs> that's 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 what it is. But what about that other feature that, like... Can retrace the last fifty meters that we talked about in the in the what was it in the eight series we mentioned it uh,
1: this has it as X5, well
0: the X five this has it as well that one where if you get stuck in a dead end you can just hit this button and and go backwards one hundred exact... yards yeah
1: <laughs> yeah that's a little strange I did not use that feature um, it's not something I think I will ever use you know the, so this car it starts at forty grand. Okay. And the one I have was the X Drive, and the X Drive starts at 42. Mm-hmm. Uh, the most expensive is the, the six cylinder powered X Drive, and that's 56. I mean, if you want to jump from the base four cylinder to the base 340i, because it's an M340i now, it's not yeah, just that's three,
0: a. lot. that's a big, it's that's 14 a big gap. 14
1: grand. Yeah, it's a huge gap. So, I mean, wow. Uh, the, the version I had too, the X Drive was the M Sport, and that was 47,250. So already I'm like close to 10 grand over base. Yeah. Uh, But, you know, that's to be expected with BMW and options. It's just that's just how it is. And um, oh, interesting. The color I had was not available uh, with the M Sport. I'm just trying to build one. I'm just casually building a 3 Series during the podcast right now.
0: (laughs) But then while you're doing that, I want to I want to actually bring up this uh, thing about, you know, hierarchy in terms of this segment and what uh, what. Cars are the most fun to drive. I think we now have a vehicle that sits atop that that most fun to drive um, pillar in a, in a way that it almost hurts the vehicle. Now you've driven
1: a, an Alfa Romeo Julia, right? Yes. I just want to interrupt for a second. That aluminum uh, look that we were talking about before, the metal trim. Yeah. It's called aluminum tetragon. Great tetragon. Like you're in a Marvel movie, and <laughs> you have to rescue the tetragon.
0: Yeah, the tetragon from the from the unobtainium, I guess. Yeah.
1: All right. Sorry. Go on. Uh,
0: I was saying the Alfa Romeo has taken that place as being the most hardcore, stiffest, um, almost sports car like version of the luxury sedan. I haven't driven
1: a base model, so I I can't confirm or deny what you're saying.
0: And then on the opposite end of the spectrum, I think maybe the C-Class or the A4 is like the
1: softer one, or oh, maybe even the Lexus IS might be. Is that, that even that's, that car is not even in the conversation? I don't. Think, no, I, I mean not. You know, not to be disrespectful, but I don't think that car is cross-shopped against a three-series. Sure, just, but I think I just don't. all these kinds of sports
0: sedans that they try to be mentioned in the same breath. In, I mean, they have many of the same features. They have many of the same. They have the same price price points, um, and they're both from luxury automakers. I mean, when you say you have a Lexus, it's it's not far off from saying I have a BMW.
1: Uh, yes, it is. And I also think that by your logic, we'd have to extend a membership in this group to vehicles like the TLX. Yeah, the TLX is a tough one. It's not. It's really not. <laughs> the TLX is not part of this group. And I, I feel like the IS, by virtue of the fact that it's so old at this point – is no, sure. longer part, is no longer part of this group either. Maybe back when it first came out, this, the gen, current generation, there was a case to be made, but I, I feel like the C-Class and the 3 Series have just evolved so far past what Lexus is doing. have left the, it in the dust. Yeah, in the entry-level segment, at least.
0: Okay. All right, fine. Why not? Um, so where does, does this BMW, it fits neatly within the Mercedes-Audi Genesis... Um,
1: you know, te- tetrahy Tetrahydrogon, What was the word? I can't remember. <laughs>
0: Tetragon. I think yeah. it's very. I think it's still quite competitive and near the top of that segment. I mean, I think it it still has its desirability because it's fun to drive. I think fun. wise, um, I think. It, well, it's got a great powertrain. I can't just. I cannot emphasize that enough. The it four has cylinder, a fantastic.
1: Really? Yes, I think it's one of the best four cylinder. Turbocharged four cylinders on the market. I mean, the six cylinder is definitely great. The oh, the six cylinder is amazing. The four cylinder, I mean, it's it's fine. I don't have a, I don't have any problems with it. I just don't know if it ascends to great status in my mind. I think it's
0: better than the A4. Uh, they have a they have a, a they have a tune for the A4, which is pretty good. And I think this is better than it. They have I think it's better than the C class. Uh, the only one I, I haven't driven a G70. That's the Genesis G70, not – some chassis code that I'm making up for a BMW. <laughs> uh, I haven't driven the four-cylinder version of that, but I have driven the six, and that's a pretty good powertrain. But I think BMW's uh, power plants are better than the rest of its class.
1: Okay, well, that's a, that's a, that's a bold statement.
0: Well, we'll see. What, well, I can't wait to hear what you have to say after driving the, the G70 for a week.
1: Well, I'm driving the six-cylinder version. I have, the uh-huh. I have driven the four-cylinder with the manual and the automatic transmission, and it is perfectly fine. Um, but uh, yeah, that's, uh, it's been a little while. So it's hard to compare back-to-back. Back. I don't remember it being necessarily better or worse than what BMW had at the time. Okay. I think maybe if I was to err on the side of memory, it was a little bit better. Uh, it, it felt very smooth. Okay. Um,
0: now, you mentioned it is quite pricey. It's tough to... to and it doesn't come with all the, the things that you'd want in a sports sedan. Specifically, you said a wagon and a manual.
1: And if you had features, I mean, you can easily... <laughs> You could easily spend another ten grand on on uh, options if you wanted to. So, so, is BMW missing the mark,
0: or are they just offering as much as they can in their class to make as much money as they can? Like, well,
1: it depends what the mark is. If the mark is to sell these cars, I don't think they're missing the mark at all. You it's know?
0: kind of expensive for a four cylinder, right? I guess it's on. Of... It's got to be on par with the rest of the class.
1: It's. I think that it, people. I don't understand what your question is. <laughs> On is this, of, on is this, are you paying a BMW tax right now? Of course. All luxury is about tax, right? Is, it's it, about, is, it, a, is it a higher tax than the Mercedes tax? I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so.
0: Then it's a bargain.
1: Uh, no. <laughs> why, why is it just one? It has to be one or the other? Yes. <laughs> no,
0: I hear you. Okay. So another – another. it's a solid product, but it doesn't leave you in the same way that uh, some of BMWs – more expensive, uh, more appealing cars have left you. Is that a good way to put it?
1: Say that again? Sorry, I just phased out from sickness there. It's
0: better than it used to be. Yes? Yes.
1: But it's not desirable. I don't know. I mean, desirable is such a strange word. I don't think anyone is lusting after this car. Let's put it that way. But
0: I feel like like past 3 Series, people are going nuts over. E46s and E30s are, are like... People have shrines to them. It's insane.
1: Yeah, because that was a very different time from a company that was in a different place in the market.
0: And what was the other one? E90s, right?
1: Yeah, no, thank you.
0: No, you're not into those ones. No. Okay. So this moves beyond – that that's moved beyond all this.
1: Did you, right? just a, did you just ask if we were going to move beyond all of no, this? No, no.
0: I mean the BMW, the new 3 Series has moved beyond what that like – that legendary status of past BMWs.
1: I don't think it's beyond is the term. I think it's just a different market. I think they're okay. just after a different type of buyer.
0: I can't wait to hear what you have to say about the G70 next week, because especially after driving the two cars back to back.
1: Hopefully I won't still be sick and I'll have more to say. But let's talk about uh, what you were driving this week.
0: I got to compare two cars head to head in a very, um, a very popular segment. This is the mid-size sedan segment. I had the 1.5 liter turbocharged equipped Honda Accord, and I compared that to the 2.5 all-wheel drive Nissan Altima. Now, the all-wheel drive version of the Altima is all new for this generation, this year, and in some markets, I think that's the only way you can get it. Uh, Canada specifically, well, I don't I, think you get a front-wheel drive, uh, or maybe you just can't get that VC Turbo yet. I'll have to take a look into that. But that's kind of interesting that they would they would have. I mean, I wanted a a front-wheel drive one, but the all-wheel drive one gives you that extra – what's the item I'm looking – what's the word I'm looking for? It's the – if you're going to buy an Ultima, you'd buy it because it it offers all-wheel drive. So why not test it, right? Sure. Okay. Here's what you need to know about the Ultima. It has a 2.5-liter four-cylinder. It makes 182 horsepower and 178 pound-feet of torque.
1: Yeah. We we talked about this last month too. That Um, doesn't sound like a huge – like a
0: a lot of power, and especially in comparison to the Honda Accord, which its base engine that 1.5 turbo makes 192 horsepower and 192 pound feet of torque. That's not a huge difference. A 10 horsepower difference in a horsepower and and, I guess what 18?
1: I'm sorry, 14. On the torque, it's it's not far off. Well, very different driving characteristics too. One is a naturally aspirated engine that has an extra liter of displacement. Right.
0: So I was expecting the Ultima to feel a little bit more, um, you know. Less turbo laggy, I guess is the word I'm looking for. That's well, I mean, know. it should have no turbo lag. It should have no turbo laggy. <laughs> there should be no hesitation, really. But, of course, it falls it falls apart because you've got to deal with a CVT, which it is... falls apart. That term again. Well, well, we're, it, it's, it, very quite it's very harsh. It's very harsh. Fine. It doesn't quite deliver that smoothness that I was looking for because it uses a CVT. And sometimes these CVTs really uh, rattle... The driving experience, mainly because of the noise and the and the vibrations that co- that come along with it. Now, this, the Honda Accord also uses a CVT, but for whatever reason, I guess it's because there's so much torque down low in the rev range, it feels a little bit more smoother and more natural when paired to that CVT, while the naturally aspirated engine just seems like it's it's causing a huge racket just to get going anywhere.
1: Well, torque so availability I- has always been the friend of CVTs. That's very true.
0: Right. And I will admit one of the things that the Ultimate does very, very, very well is it has this um, – it feels really good on the road. It's very smooth. Uh, it also has a really good um, suite of safety features. They call it Pro Pilot Assist. Have
1: you heard of this? Yeah, we, yeah not only have I heard of it, we have talked about it on the podcast. <laughs> Did you say anything important about it? What does that mean? I don't think I've ever said anything important in my life, so okay. <laughs> it's a loaded question. It's tough because we test drive these, these
0: cars with these um, safety suites all the time. Um, Honda has one, too. It's called Honda Sensing, right? Honda and Sensing Earth Dreams. Honda Sensing.
1: Well, Earth Dreams is the motor, but
0: Honda Sensing.
1: Uh, and the does, it got the, one- does it sense the dreams of the Earth and then project them into the cabin? <laughs> what do you think that would be like? I think it would be the most peaceful experience you could ever have. Do you think you'd get anywhere? I think I wouldn't – I think I'd already be home.
0: (laughs) Okay. Um, And then Subaru's got EyeSight, and they've all got these names of, like, this is our whole driver assistance and safety package. It comes with, like, forward collision warning and blind spot monitoring lane keep assist. But I'm telling you, I think ProPilot is one of the – ProPilot Assist is one of the really natural – feeling systems it never feels like it's it's surprising you with what it's about to do while the the accord i'm telling you something's off with the the way the accord senses the world around it is just like a panic everything is about is something that needs to be dealt with immediately it's a panic it's about to happen it's really jarring and not really uh i I find myself turning off these features almost every time i get in the car in terms of
1: natural feel it's kind of like lambskin versus latex that's what you're telling me yeah that's a terrible, terrible simile. Why did you do that? That's
0: a bad metaphor. Okay. I'm sick. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay.
0: Um, and the Ultima has something – they call it – they describe it – they call it – sorry. They call it intelligent ride control. Whoa. And intelligent ride control isn't much. It's, it's kind of like torque vectoring in the way that it uses brakes – the rear brakes to settle – the rear end of the vehicle when you're driving over um, bumpy or uneven pavement. So in some cases where it feels like, you know, the car is wobbling around a little bit too much or is getting kind of busy, the vehicle will try to – the the, the will try to settle itself with the braking um, to make the ride a little bit more consistent. And we noticed that it, pretty, it, looked, it works pretty well
1: okay so you know so do you think that that's being done because there's some type of flaw in the chassis that doesn't allow it to be done with the suspension system or do you think this is really something that is necessary and like kind of a step above feature for a modern car
0: that's a really good question and i'm gonna have to think about it for a second but i think it's because the chassis is so is actually quite good on the Altima, but they've In order to accommodate the needs of its buyers, which is – Rally, hardcore rough rally road drivers. (laughs) No, no, the other way around. I think it's meant to be a more family-friendly vehicle. And so the the suspension and the tire setup is very soft. And that means that when you're driving on uneven pavement, the the vehicle can feel really like it's swaying around a little bit too much, like almost too much body motion. And so they're using uh, the braking to settle it.
1: Huh. Hey, I have a question for you. This is kind of unrelated, but you you, you got me thinking. In the future, when we're like uh, teleporting everywhere, yeah. do you think that will during the teleportation itself, we'll, we'll have the sensation of momentum implanted in our minds to like ease our bodies into the idea that we're being actually uh, moving through time and space, or do you think no. it will just be instantaneous?
0: I believe that – me and my friends had this conversation. I believe teleportation is going to be murdering a lot of people and clothing them instantaneously somewhere else.
1: We're talking – that's not what we're talking about though. I I was talking specifically about the sensation of the murder. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think we'll feel like we're moving. Okay. All right. Interesting. Um, So you're saying we could be teleporting right now and not even know. Like there's no uh, way to know you're teleporting until you arrive somewhere where you weren't before.
0: No, I think we would just wake up and our consciousness would be like, oh, we we're in a new wake place. Wake up? Yeah, we like open our eyes as our cloning is completed in a new
1: location. Okay, follow up. What yep. ha- two follow ups. First, what happens if I keep my eyes open? <laughs> it doesn't matter. Okay, second, will they be able to improve me through this cloning process? We or can only hope. Clone- oh. Do they clone all of my faults like, you know, like bad skin and like broken bones and stuff?
0: It should, be, it should be one-to-one,
1: right? It shouldn't be like gene therapy while cloning. Why not? <laughs> because that's expensive and time consuming. Oh, in a world where teleportation is commonplace, gene therapy is expensive. Yeah. I don't know if I buy that. Okay, well, we'll work on it. Okay.
0: Um, I think the Ultima is not as good as the Accord, and that's because I've just come to that conclusion right now. Whoa. But I actually have, I have a lot to, to, to... Where does it fall on. apart? Okay, it falls apart with its interior specifically its interior it is a little bit of a mess the vehicle i had had a couple of different trims all over the vehicle it had piano black uh <laughs> for a second had, i
1: thought you meant like it was a multi-trim vehicle like you no, had a, Like sb
0: sls version No, the car like accents and trims inside the vehicle so it had uh it had some really gnarly-looking fake wood plastic. It had some piano black uh, panels that were really uh, fingerprint-prone. It had some aluminum trim and it had some carbon fiber trim, all in the in the in the in the cabin, all around you. It made no sense that this was the interior design that they were going for. It's a little bit uh, all over the place. It reminds me of uh, Fraser's apartment, which is it had no consistent theme. Frazier it was just Fraser who, you know, uh, that that movie. I mean, that TV show, Fraser. Are you referencing a
1: 20-year-old TV show? Yeah. Do you you think our audience- something okay. in the future. Uh, people who are listening right now, yeah. please let us know how many of you are Frasier fans. And yeah. following that, please let us know how many of you were familiar with Sammy's off-the-cuff <laughs> reference to a TV show that hasn't been on the air conservatively in two oh. decades.
0: Well, I mean, assuming they're not cable cutters, this stuff is showing uh, – I'm, I'm
1: assuming it's on reruns all the time. You don't even know. You don't even watch the show <laughs> and you're just, like, casually dropping references? Yeah, of course. Can't um, wait for the beachcombers reference.
0: And then in addition to that, the the Altima does not have as big of a trunk and has a tiny back, the back seat in comparison to the um, Accord. So I think that the Accord is still probably the standout in the segment. But if you want a vehicle with all-wheel drive – that list is very short. Uh, you're going to be looking at the Legacy and the Ultima. And I guess the Ford Fusion isn't going to be offered – or isn't offered anymore, I guess. So No, it's still that's out it.
1: there. It's still out there. Um, the, yeah, I, I agree with you that the, the Accord is is a very solid family car. I just want to get back to something that you were talking about earlier. <laughs> are we talking about the teleporting or the – Which? what are we talking about? So when you were – dropping that Frasier reference yeah. you were not only counting on the familiarity of our audience with Frasier but also their familiarity with the decor of a character's apartment within that show I mean the show takes place
0: mostly in his apartment it's like Seinfeld okay is this another problem Let me that ask I you dropped Seinfeld very and quick, friends
1: very quick question yeah. what color were the walls in Seinfeld's apartment uh, either white or blue I don't know see neither of us know you know why it's unimportant <laughs> Oh my god! Just like this <laughs> podcast. What color is the? Was, were the seats of the Altima? I think they're beige. You think? Yeah. This is something you've actually experienced and wasn't created yeah. by a Hollywood prop set no. director. Okay, all right.
0: Uh, additionally, the all-wheel drive system. I. <clears throat> you're gonna have to. You're gonna have to argue with me whether or not the all-wheel drive system is a benefit uh, for a sedan. It adds weight, which takes away. The fun to drive aspect of a sedan and will not improve fuel economy. It'll, I, I, it'll impact fuel economy.
1: I don't really think any family sedan in that class is fun to drive, though. I mean, it's not really their purpose, right? I think the Monster three uh,
0: Monster six is quite fun to drive, and this uh, and the Camry actually has a really good chassis, and especially with that six cylinder, it can be fun to drive as well. Okay, and, I can see I can see that argument. Yeah, and the Accord is not a dog. It's actually quite responsive. It's really good. Um,
1: it, you know the the answer to your question: Do you need all wheel drive? No, most people no. don't. Um, and I say that as someone who lives in the Great White North, where it snows a lot and things are terrible. The marketing departments of these companies have convinced people that they need all wheel drive, which is why crossovers a part of why crossovers are so popular, and a big part of why luxury car companies have moved almost entirely into all wheel drive for it to be able to corner this northern market that they've created. Tires are the most important thing. If you have great tires on a front-wheel drive car, you're going to be fine for the winter. You'll, yeah. probably, you'll probably be fine in a rear-wheel drive car too. There are some people though who live in areas that are not well served by uh, local infrastructure. So if you don't have a plow that goes by your place on a regular basis, you will benefit from that all-wheel drive system, in my opinion. okay, so It's it's a special case. If 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 you live somewhere where when you wake up in the morning, the roads aren't cleared, you'll be happy to have all-wheel drive. But
0: won't you also like, Ground clearance, in which case, like, a, a crossover or an SUV might do you
1: better? Yes and no. I mean, it, it, ground clearance, it, it, you'd have to have a lot of snow to make it completely impassable for a sedan, like a fairly okay. huge amount of snow. Well, we've seen that kind of snow before. Well, yeah, but I mean, I don't think it happens on a regular
0: basis. Well, I mean, not every day, but every season, it I've driven. I've driven once, my WRX
1: through really large snow drifts and and that were blocking my driveway or accumulated on the road, and I didn't have an issue with it. So I think you know, for the number of times you're going to be dealing with snow accumulation to that degree, you'll probably still be okay in your sedan. Okay, I I just uh, maybe there's a there's a
0: pragmatic part of me that just says you know the all-wheel drive system adds weight, impacts fuel economy. Um, It really impacts the rear seats, I imagine, because the the rear seats were just not as spacious as the Accord, which doesn't have all-wheel drive. And I just think that's too many compromises for a mid-sized sedan. Okay. Okay?
1: Okay. I think that's all we got to talk about this week. (laughs) So uh, Um, what are we going to be talking about? We already know we're talking about the G70 next week. So what are you bringing to the table, Sammy? Wait, 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 wait. Pick a sitcom. Yeah. Don't tell me what it is. And -hmm. we'll talk about it next week. Okay, perfect. Will okay, do. Also, what cars are you talking about?
0: <laughs> I will have the new Corolla. Ooh. Uh, Corolla hatchback, actually. Okay. Which I'm actually very much looking forward to driving because I don't know if you've seen it. It looks so aggressive. Not there. only
1: have I seen it, Sammy, but I've driven it.
0: Oh, right. Okay. Well. Uh, and I'll be driving that with a front-wheel drive Mazda 3. Okay. So that'll be fun to drive to, and have that comparison. We talk
1: promise not that. to talk too much about the Mazda 3 because we've I talked, know, about, it we've so talked much. about it to death and we talked a lot about spines and pelvises and i know that it's a little weird <laughs> well is there anything you're going to talk about next
0: week other than the g70 which is no, not I, a trim level which is not a chassis code of another car it's i'm just honestly
1: g70. looking forward to talking with you about tv shows i haven't thought about in years have you come up
0: with one blossom
1: oh wow blossom okay
0: uh if you want to talk to us about uh tv shows that you haven't heard of or or thought about in years i suggest you get in touch with us either through social media you can find me and ben on your favorite social media platforms i'm on twitter and instagram you can find me at sammy underscore ha like you're laughing and you can find ben he's usually
1: on instagram you can find him at
0: hunting benjamin
1: what else ben oh yeah you can also go you can also go to the website yeah, the website, unnamedautomotivepodcast.com has a contact form where you can get in touch with us. Uh, you can also email me, benjamin at benjaminhunting.com. And when you're on the website for the podcast, you can subscribe via little clicky buttons that let you take you to uh, iTunes and Google Play Music and all that fun stuff. Spotify, we're pretty much on every podcatcher. And we would love to hear feedback from you guys on those uh, sites. Rankings uh, are influenced by comments. And if you say something nice about us or something that's not nice about us, people will pay more attention and that lets us talk about more sitcoms from the 90s yes. so um there is one one last thing i wanted to talk about this uh, week sammy i had a kind of an adventure in my jeep this week Ooh. where i so it, it you know like most vehicles of the 80s it doesn't have a remote control to open or close the locks and i left the keys in the ignition actually i had two adventures in the jeep so the what first one have a crank Yeah, it has a hand crank, and if you don't let go at the right time, it breaks your wrist, (laughs) like when the engine catches. Okay. But uh, I I locked the keys to the Jeep inside the Jeep, but I'd been driving around with the rear window open, even though the manual says not to do that because it sucks exhaust fumes into the vehicle, but it's just too Did you notice? Oh yeah, it's totally choking at, at, a, at, a, at a stoplight, that's for sure. There's also a page in the manual, in all caps letters, says Riding with Pregnant Women. And like it has like a whole thing about whether seatbelts are safe for pregnancies or not. They, have, was, they, that, they,
0: they really, really believe in the, uh, in the sex appeal of the Jeep. Grand in 1987,
1: Wagoneer. <laughs> they were really worried about that. So I, I'm at the back of the Jeep, and I, I'm like, oh... Um, my keys are in the ignition and uh, luckily this window's open, but unluckily the Jeep was filled with tires <laughs> and a transmission and a rear end for my Datsun because I just had all of those things replaced. So I had to climb through the rear window and over top these nasty tires and like reach up and snag those keys. And uh, it was just a, a reminder that I'm getting old and I'm starting to forget stuff. <laughs> Is that how you got sick? Maybe I don't know. Uh, the other thing that happened with the Jeep was I was driving with a friend and I turned it off and it kept running. Oh! <laughs> and I took the key out and it kept running too. So that was fun. And what I had to do was re like I guess reengage the starter to yeah. re to kick off the ignition sequence again. And then I was able to turn it off and it turned off completely like you would normally expect. But it happened again later in the day. And I think it's a heat thing on the starter solenoid. I think it's just like there's a feedback coming from somewhere that's sending power to the starter solenoid or the ignition and it's just keeping it on. So these, these are the fun things when you're trying to daily drive a 32-year-old vehicle.
0: Okay. So I love these updates. Are you still in love with this thing? I've
1: never been in love with this, Sammy. It's more of an experiment <laughs> than anything else. Do you feel like you're
0: living the Jeep
1: life? Yeah, it's an experiment in cohabitation. You know, the, the Jeep life is kind of funny because sometimes they will be at a light beside a guy in a Wrangler, yeah, and like and he, he doesn't even recognize he you. He won't make eye contact. <laughs> like, who's this? Who's what this jerk? <laughs> who's this jerk with the fake wood paneling?
0: Yeah, but what is this ginormous station wagon? Why doesn't it, the-
1: Why does Why doesn't he have a tire on the back? What's going on? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's kind of strange. Like, uh, not not everyone in the Jeep world gets it. So. That's fine.
0: That's really I, weird. I thought it was a Jeep thing.
1: I'm used to being alone, Sammy. <laughs> I've noticed.
0: Okay. But Which I is o- why you've
1: got yourself the biggest Jeep you could possibly get. Also, okay. Speaking of biggest Jeep, <laughs> I, I sent Sammy a photo of this earlier today. Someone took a photo of a Grand Wagoneer parked in front of a Jeep Renegade. Yeah. So the Renegade is a, co- a co- subcompact, Sub Subcompact, yeah. And it's almost the same size as a Grand Wagoneer in terms of height and width. So that was pretty fun to see. Another fun thing that happened with the Jeep – lots of Jeep adventures this week. I bought 20 (laughs) cassette tapes (laughs) to use – I went on So you were giving me a hard – let's hear these bands that you bought cassette tapes from. Okay. Yeah, I can tell you because I actually have a list. All right. Here we go. So um, I bought – I'll try to
0: know any of them.
1: I bought a number of tapes. I bought – Oh, my any, goodness. Any Green Day? That's a perfect Jeep band. So I I, I tried to buy Green Day. <laughs> um, I I did manage to pick up a dubbed copy of Green Day's Dookie. What uh, does that mean, a dubbed copy? It's like a copy of the original. The guy had a whole bunch of like tapes he had made, and he gave me a great price when I showed up at his place for those. Uh, any mixtapes? I, yeah, yeah. So a couple of mixtapes. I bought four Madonna albums. Uh, The first self-titled, like a prayer, who's that girl? You can dance. I bought Queen Latifah's Black Rain, Ingenue by Katie Lang, Circus by Lenny Kravitz. And I got a bunch of like Billy Idol and some more Madonna on the dub side. But here's something funny and sad that happened to me. (laughs) There was another guy on Craigslist who had a whole bunch of tapes for sale. And he was like, "Uh, make an offer. So I sent him a list, 17 tapes, right? It was some cool stuff. You know, like there was some Quebecois music in there. There was some metal. There was some rap. It was mostly 90s. Um, okay. and he's like, Hey, uh, uh I want these, I, I sent him a message. I want these tapes. What do you want for them? Specifically asked him, what do you want for these tapes? He's like, make an offer. So I write back, I'll give you 25 bucks. It's 17 tapes, right? These are tapes. They have no value, no collector's value. He wrote back with a series of swear words, <laughs> calling what? me a no. waste, a waste of time, <laughs> low baller with a whole bunch of like kind of fake british swearing and uh anyway i flagged his ad because no one needs that
0: but (laughs) if i can't have it no one can
1: but uh yeah like here's a pro tip for anyone selling tapes if you have a price in mind ask for that price (laughs) if i specifically ask you what that price is especially in those circumstances tell me your price Barring that, your tapes are worth nothing. No one cares about them. No one is collecting them. The other guy, I bought like 30 tapes for 20 bucks. That's just how it is. (laughs) I hope he was listening. Oh, I'm sure he was, because who isn't listening to this podcast?
0: Uh, Great. Well, if he's listening, maybe we can hear the update next week from either him or you when he uh, figures it out.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thank you for listening, everyone, and we will talk to you soon. See ya. Bye.